Amen. Thank you, young people, for that beautiful music, and good evening, everyone. It is so exciting for me to be here with you. I come from the other side of the world, and I just can't believe that I'm actually here and to see so many of you. Have you been blessed at ASI? I've been blessed. Usually, I watch you all on television, and uh, when my sister and I got here, I was so excited to be seeing all of these people that I see on television. I said to her, I don't know if I'm going to cope when I get to heaven because, first of all, if when we get there, we'll be surprised that we're there, but then we'll be so excited to see everybody else there. So I am so excited to be here, and I think I've said that several times already. Um, I would like to open with a word of prayer and then get into our message. I've entitled it, This Testimony, and it's a message which the Lord placed on my heart at the beginning of this year. So let's bow as we open with a word of prayer. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here to study your word. And as we open the pages of Holy Scripture now, we invite the Holy Spirit to come and be present in our midst. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, that this message would be clear, that you would help us to catch a fresh picture of Jesus, and that you would inspire us to faithfulness, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you brought them, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 21. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, and we will read through to verse 24. Okay, here we go. The Bible says... Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Friends, I would like to say to you tonight that I believe the life of Enoch is summarized in the Bible with some of the most amazing words. Four words, Enoch walked with God. In fact, twice the Bible says this. It's almost as if this is the Holy Spirit's way of underlining so that we do not miss this very important point. I would like to submit to you tonight that the greatest thing that your church, that your colleagues, that your children, that your family, that your friends could say about you is that you walk with God. Amen? Enoch's life was a specimen of Christian consistency. Constantly, continuously, he enjoyed the companionship of Christ for three centuries. That's a grand total of at least 109,500 days. God and Enoch were not just friends. They were best friends. And I believe that Enoch just couldn't get enough of God. He loved to talk of him. He loved to talk to him. I have a hunch that if you were to ask Enoch about God and ask him, who is God? I have a hunch a smile would spread across his face and you would find it difficult to get him to stop talking because he would tell you that God is enduringly, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. 
He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. And he is altogether lovely. Amen? He would tell you, he said, all I have needed, his hand has provided. He gives pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. And he'd go on probably and he'd tell you that he's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals, he delivers, and he forgives. He created this world in six days. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry together, none other has ever known. I thought you'd have more amens to that because this God is our God, amen? He's a wonderful, wonderful God. And right when you thought that Enoch had run out of things to tell you about God, I bet he would go on and he'd probably say something like this, I wish that I could describe him to you. But he is indescribable. He's irresistible. He's invincible. The heavens cannot contain him. In a sentence, Jesus is more than wonderful to me. When I think about Enoch, I believe that that's the kind of person he was. He was someone who was passionately in love with Jesus. And there are young people in this world today who would faint if Justin Bieber just smiled at them. Friends, think of what the honor it is for us to be able to walk with God. Take your Bibles and come over to Amos. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. It's a short text, but a good one. Sheds a little more insight on this very amazing man. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. The Bible simply says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? You know, the Bible never records that Enoch ever argued with God about where they would walk. And the alarm's going off. Does that mean we have to evacuate? Should I continue? I suppose I continue. All right. Enoch never argued about where they should walk. He just went where God told him to go because he knew that God knew the best way forward. And I believe that Enoch's heart was perfectly in harmony with the will of God. And you might say, and I know this is very distracting, should I continue? Is this illegal? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you can hear the siren that's in this room. We just pray that you would help them to find the source of this problem so that we can continue. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now you might say to me, Sharissa, well that's, that's nice, but we live in different times. His circumstances were different to ours. But friends, listen to me. Antediluvian society was only something to write home about for all the wrong reasons. The Bible tells us that during these times, the thoughts of men's hearts were only evil continuously. In fact, let me read to you this quote from the writings of Ellen White. She says, There never has been, amen, there never has been and never will be an age when the moral darkness will be so dense as when Enoch lived a life of irreproachable righteousness. That's amazing. 
So listen, if a man can consistently walk with God for 300 years in a world like that, then this is a remarkable thing. Enoch's spirituality wasn't seasonal, it wasn't short-lived, it wasn't lukewarm, and it wasn't only active during ASI. Or as my mom, when she's been praying for me, she's been praying that God would bless my sister and I at the CIA. (laughs) She's been getting the the letters mixed up, but at ASI. (laughs) Friends, on and on. Through three happy centuries, Enoch was ever found consciously abiding in the love of God. And his was a life of spiritual progress. At the end of 200 years, for instance, he was not where he started. He was still in the same companionship, yes, but he had grown. He had come to understand more, to love more, and therefore he could give more because he had grown in grace. So the question we all want to answer, would like to know the answer to is, how did Enoch walk with God? Let me read to you this quote. Enoch's walk with God was not in a trance or vision, but in all the duties of daily life. As a husband and father, a friend, a citizen, he was the unwavering servant of the Lord. I would like to submit to you just four ways from my Bible study that I can see that Enoch was able to develop this wonderful relationship with Jesus. The first thing that I note when the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, I believe it means that he had a prayer life. To him, and I quote, prayer was the breath of the soul. He lived in the very atmosphere of heaven. Prayer was to him the opening of his heart to his best friend. And who could be unhappy with such a wonderful friend as Jesus? Amen? I got my first speeding ticket while listening to Wintley Phipps sing his eyes on the sparrow while I was hurtling down the highway in Australia. I was on my way to Avondale College and I was running late for class. And I have traveled this road many, many times before. I know where all the police cars sit when they're waiting to try and catch somebody. So I know the areas where I can speed up. This is not good. I know the areas where I can speed up and the areas where I need to slow down. This particular day, there was a policeman waiting in a spot where I have never seen a policeman before. And next thing I know, there's flashing lights behind me. He comes out behind me. It was like a shark. Pulls me over and he said, "Um, excuse me, do you realize you're speeding? I was doing 125 kilometers per hour when I should have been doing 100. And I said, yes, I realize that. He said, may I have your license? Took my license. He wrote up my fine, he gave it to me, and he actually was quite gracious to me. He gave me much less than what I deserved, maybe because he thought I was a nice person, I don't know. (laughs) But he gives it to me, and then he left. And when he left, I was so discouraged because this was my first ticket, and I I just wanted to talk to somebody who cared. Now, I wasn't going to ring my dad because I knew that he would tell me that I deserved it. (laughs) So I didn't ring him. I rang my mom. But she didn't answer the phone. So I rang my sister. She didn't answer the phone. So it was early in the morning, so I think, who can I call for some sympathy? And I thought, I'll call my friend, Sonia. So I called Sonia. I said, Sonia, I just need to talk to someone who cares. She says, yes. And you think that's me? (laughs) (laughs) Friends, Aren't you glad that Jesus always cares about us? He is interested in all the little details of our lives. In fact, when we walk with Jesus, 
we can say with the psalmist, and I'm not going to turn there because I believe you know the text, Psalm 23 verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear how much? No evil, for you are with me. Psalms 84 verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Enoch walked with God in all the changing circumstances of his life. He was walking and talking with Jesus in the good times and in the bad times. In fact, the spirit of prophecy even tells us that when Enoch would come away for some time with Jesus, he would withdraw from the society of others. When he came away from that quiet time with Jesus, she tells us that his face was illuminated with the glory of God. He had a shine about his face. His face was glowing. Friends, are you spending time with Jesus in prayer? I know a lady in Australia. She's a senior lady, but she has an amazing prayer life. She has a prayer list with 500 names on it. And she tells me she prays for those names three times a day. And she tells me sometimes I am on my knees and they get sore, my back gets sore, and I get tired and I just hold the list up to heaven and I say, Lord, you can read this. <laughs> my dad was on that list. My dad um, stopped walking with Jesus shortly after he married my mum. But he was on this lady's prayer list and he got rebaptized in 2007. Amen? Not only that, as soon as he got rebaptized, she crossed him off the list. <laughs> but we need to be a praying people, a people of prayer. The communication between us and God should never stop. Oh, when I do this, it means amen. Okay. All right, so number one, Enoch had a prayer life. Number two, when I, when I see the Bible says he walked with God, I believe it means that he preached and practiced what he preached. Amen. Take your Bibles and come with me to the book of Jude. Jude, and there's only one chapter, chapter one. And uh, notice with me verses 14 and 15. These are the only recorded words of Enoch in the Bible. Jude, verses 14 and 15 says, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He was not a sad ventist. Enoch was an Adventist, and he preached the undiluted message from the Word of God. He looked down through the tunnel of time, and he saw Jesus coming again. And this blessed hope compelled him so much so that he could not be silent. He had to tell others about Jesus. There was a fire that burned in his bones, a passion for the salvation of the lost around him. And as you read, I don't know if you noticed, but he's the classic prophet, isn't he? Four times he mentions the word ungodly in the passage that we just read. Do you think that people liked everything that he said? No, he wasn't probably the most popular preacher in town. So we can expect the same reaction to our message today. And yet, amidst a torrent of blasphemy and rebuke, 
in a world so full of wickedness that it was catapulting towards an epic drowning, Enoch preached the plain and simple truth. And not only that, but he lived what he preached. Martin Luther once gave a very brief but expressive eulogy for a pastor, and I hope I say this right, in Zwickau in 1522. His name was Nicholas Hausmann. And of this man, the great reformer simply said, what we preach, he lived. Can that be said about you? Enoch had a prayer life. Enoch practiced what he preached and preached what he practiced. Number three, when Enoch walks, when, when, when the Bible says he walked with God, I believe it is telling us that Enoch had a pure heart. Enoch was heaven material. Listen to this quote here from the Review and Herald. Not a thread of coarseness or selfishness was woven into the web that this servant of God was weaving in his daily life. This man was a pure man. He dressed different. He talked different because he was different. Enoch was a paragon of purity in his time. His private, domestic, social, and Facebook life was ever regulated by the belief that he was ever and always in the presence of God. He was not conformed to the world nor controlled by it. And the the closer he came to Jesus, the further and further he came away from the world. Am I saying to you tonight that Enoch never sinned? No. He needed a savior just as much as we do. But Enoch was just an everyday guy with an everyday faith. He was every day raising his family to love and know Jesus. He was every day loving his wife. Friends, he was married to the same woman for 300 years. Amen. Amen. All right. He was every day being a witness for God. He was every day living his life for God's glory. He was every day walking with Jesus. And because he had a heart like this, a heart that was so set on on purity and, and following Jesus, God blessed him. God loved him. And of course, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, what does Jesus say in his Sermon on the Mount? Matthew, uh, sorry, Matthew 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He had a prayer life. He practiced what he preached, and he preached what he practiced. He had a pure heart. Point number four, I believe when he walks with God, it means that he pleased God. And I get this straight from the Bible. Come over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll read to you from verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, the Bible says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, mark that because that's the title, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Friends, what a testimony is this. This is not Enoch's testimony about himself. This is the Holy Spirit's testimony about Enoch. Wouldn't you love for God to be able to say the same about you? 
I would love for God to be able to say this about me. In fact, in the book of Romans, Romans 15 verse 3, the Bible tells us that even Christ pleased not himself. He was always seeking to please the Father in heaven. So forget people pleasing. Enoch was a God pleaser. He lived for the audience of one. Ever conscious of God's company, the constant tenor of his holy and devout mind was ever and always to please him. And the Bible says without faith it is impossible to do this. Impossible is a very strong word. And notice here too that it doesn't say that Enoch had a testimony. It says that Enoch had this testimony. Now that is very specific. Every Christian has a testimony. Every single one in this room can tell of the day we met Jesus and the wonderful change that happened in our lives. But sadly, not every Christian has this testimony. Not every Christian is able to say that their life pleases God. Not every Christian is able to look up to heaven and say that there is nothing between my soul and the Savior. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Not every Christian can say this. But Enoch could say it, in the midst of a generation that constantly displeased God, he continually pleased him. So let me ask you a question. When you do what you please, does what you do please God? The Bible tells us that Enoch's life was so pleasing to him that guess what, friends? He walked straight into heaven. Can you imagine that? I love how one preacher put it. He said he imagines that one day Enoch might have been out in the field and he'd been walking and talking with Jesus and they'd had a wonderful day. But the sun was setting and Enoch knew he had to go home because it was dark soon. And so he said, Lord, it's getting late. I'd best be going home now. I should probably turn back. And then came God's gentle but instant reply, Enoch, come to my home. It's closer. I love that thought. Oh, for a closer walk with God. Amen? Oh, for a closer walk with God. And until this point, the spirit of prophecy tells us that Enoch had been wondering. He had been questioning uh, the wicked. He wondered that maybe the wicked and the righteous had the same end because all seemed to die. But in the life of Enoch, God showed him and he shows us that there is a reward for the righteous. Amen? Amen. And what a wonderful reward that that is. And so Enoch, the first among men to enter heaven, he walked through the pearly gates into the holy city. I love this story. And friends, the life of Enoch, it intrigues me and it inspires me. This man must have been a man who loved Jesus so, so much. Now, is it difficult for us to please God? Your enthusiasm in answering that question uh, makes me feel I should tell a little story. I'm part of a singing group back in Australia, and we have a regular rehearsal every week. And uh, one night we were rehearsing, and then we had a break. And while we were in the break, I noticed one of the guys in our group, he took out his phone, and he was looking at it, and suddenly this smile swept across his face, and he went, oh, this is so good. And we looked at him, and we said, what happened? He said, it's Sienna, his little baby girl. He said, she just rolled over. Now, friends, that was really special. But if that is how easy it is 
for a father, a human father, to be pleased with their child. Friends, the moment we set our hearts about seeking God and serving Him, it thrills Him. It pleases Him. Amen? Enoch is my mom's favorite Bible character, and now that I've spent some time studying his life, I can see why. His life has no recorded adventures. It's not like he conquered a city, built a city, did anything like that. But isn't it not adventure enough for someone to walk with God? I think that this is the greatest ambition that one could ever have, one could ever crave, is to walk with Jesus. And friends, the life of Enoch, when I think about it, it really begs us to study the life of Jesus. If you have your Bible, come over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Here the Bible simply says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. I read a book by Norman Gully called Christ Our Substitute. It's a beautiful book. And as I was reading it, there's a, there's a moment in the book where he lets his spiritual imagination run, and in there, he imagines that once upon a time, all the inhabitants from the far-flung cosmos gathered into heaven's amphitheater one day, many years ago. And as they did, Jesus announced to them that the time had come for him to leave and to come down to this earth to redeem the human race. And as he's describing this picture in his book, he notes that there would have been three members of that company that would have been especially concerned. Enoch, Moses, and Elijah. They've all lived on this planet. They all know how hard it is to follow God down here. They know what a bad world this is. And he imagines that they might have said to him, Lord, why must you go? Why can't you? Is there not any other way that you can save the human race? And in his book, he says, he imagines that Jesus might have turned to them and said, for you, I must go. And you imagine what that must have been like as those men had processed that thought. For us, he has to go. God himself cannot keep us here unless he pays the price for our sin. And so Jesus comes down to this earth and you watch how he lived. You watch how he walked with God. Friends, he comes down and he lives a spirit-filled life so much so that he lived without sin. Wow. And friends, let me tell you, Jesus was tempted beyond what you and I will ever be tempted. And you say, hang on a minute, Sharissa. Don't bring your strange Australian ideas to this country. How can you prove that? That's impossible. But listen, if temptation is all about encouraging us to become reliant upon ourselves and thus separated from an abiding relationship with God, then who has the greater temptation? Jesus, who is divine, and he had everything worth depending upon, or us? I think the answer is pretty self-explanatory. But friends, Jesus comes down and he lives and he walks in the spirit. Amen? And he sets for us this perfect example which Enoch goes and he follows in his life. And because Jesus did this, come over to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Because Jesus did this and set for us this wonderful example, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now how much? 
no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, if you're like me, you're probably asking this question, what was it that triggered this amazing walk with God that Enoch had? I mean, you do not just roll out of bed one morning and and start walking with Jesus like this. Enoch's walk was not some wonderful accident. Friends, this walk was something he intentionally and passionately pursued. So let's do a little bit of investigation. If you do the math from the account of Genesis, you will discover that Adam would have been about 622 years old when Enoch was born. This means that for the first 308 years of Enoch's life, Adam and Enoch are on earth together. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So here's what I think happened. You have all of these antediluvian people on the face of the planet, and they've all heard the story of creation and the fall, but to them, it is just a story that is to everybody except for Enoch. For some reason, the story of Adam and Eve just gripped him. He couldn't, it just wouldn't release him. He couldn't shake the thought from his mind to think that his own great time seven grandfather, Adam, had walked with God. And so I imagine that at every opportunity that he had, he would make time to spend time chatting with Adam. And in every conversation, when he made that time with him, he would make a beeline at every opportunity for his favorite subject. And he might have said, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. What was it like when you walked with God? What did you talk about? How did you do it? And Adam must have been quite the storyteller because there was something about those stories that was just so captivating for Enoch. Maybe as as he told the story of the fall, his eyes would grow glassy and his voice would quiver as he recalled that fateful day when he and Eve had partaken of that forbidden fruit and lost paradise. But then one day, Enoch becomes a dad. And those of you who are parents, you will know just how life-changing that is. It must have been pretty exciting for him to be 65 and suddenly have a baby in the house. But as Enoch looks upon his son, this wonderful new picture of God bursts upon him, begins to develop for him. I imagine that as little Methuselah grew, they would take walks together hand in hand. And every time Methuselah looked up at his dad with his bright beaming eyes, Enoch could see that his son saw him to be the greatest and the strongest, most wonderful person that had ever lived. And he could see that his son was never afraid in his presence because he knew that if there was some trouble along the way, well, dad would take care of it. And so he never worried. And as Enoch thought about this and his relationship with his son, he suddenly realized that maybe this was what it was like when Adam walked with God. And maybe the love which he felt towards his own son was reflective just a little bit of how God must feel towards him. And so he dedicated his life to walking with Jesus. In fact, his name in the Hebrew means dedicated. And he never looked back. And friends, mark this. Because as Enoch's life was deepened by experience, so too our own are deepened by experience as well. Sometimes God uses trials, God uses those hard times to bring us into a place where we can walk with him. Now, 
I want to focus on one other thing, and I see my clock's running, so I just want to tell you one other detail which I think is fascinating. The name Methuselah. It's an interesting name to choose for your child, don't you think? I mean, there's a guy in my church, and I find names really interesting. We have a man in our church in Australia called Bill Gates. And he says he's the original because he was here before the, the other Bill Gates. But he's a lay evangelist, so you can imagine how that goes down when he travels. Bill Gates is coming to town. And uh, when Bill came back from Zimbabwe, he told us about this family he met that had three beautiful children. Their names were Hallelujah, Hosanna, and Amen. <laughs> so can you imagine calling the family to come for worship? Hallelujah, Amen, Hosanna, time. But anyway, the name Methuselah. Did you know what the name Methuselah means? It means when he dies, it shall come. It was as if God was saying to Enoch, Enoch, you see this little baby that you hold in your hands? When he dies, the end will come. Imagine how this would have fueled his preaching. No wonder Enoch walked with God every time Methuselah fell sick. I'm sure he wondered if this was it. But friends, when Enoch was taken to heaven, Methuselah continued to live on, and he saw another preacher of righteousness come. Who was it? Noah. Noah, that's right, his grandson. And when I imagine that he would have seen the ark. He perhaps helped build it. And maybe as he was there by the ark, Noah said, you see my grandfather there? When he dies, the end will come. And people would look at Methuselah, and they could see he was seasoned with years, and they might think, okay, well, it must be soon. But friends, in the same way that Methuselah was a walking sermon, so too we are walking sermons as well. Methuselah lived just 31 years shy of a millennium. And one day after 120 years of building the ark, the final hammer fell. And then, if you do the math, the Bible tells us that in the very year he died, the flood came. You read some other Hebrew scholarship, and they believe that in the very week prior to the flood, Methuselah died. What's my point? My point is this. Friends, I am proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. There is no other church that I would rather be part of. In fact, I bumped into somebody here in Grand Rapids. We were before the conference started, and I, I knew them because I'd seen them before, and I waved at them. They didn't know me, but they waved back anyway. And we started talking, and they said, yes, we thought you were an Adventist. I was so happy with that. <laughs> because, listen, friends, we could have been called the Church of Jesus Christ because Jesus is our central theme. He's our central doctrine. We could have been called the Church of the Latter-day Saints because we too believe that we are living in the last days and that this is God's last day remnant people. Amen. We believe that we could have been called the Evangelical Church because we love evangelism. It flows in our veins. We could have been the Pentecostal church because we believe in the baptism of the Spirit and being born again. And we are praying for the outpouring of God's Spirit in latter rain power. Amen. We could have been the Methodist church because we believe in God's method of salvation through faith in Jesus. We could have been Baptists because we believe in baptism by immersion. But guess what? We're Seventh-day Adventists. And every time you say your name, it preaches a sermon to somebody. It brings hope and conviction to those who are around you. And this time, friends, as Enoch was back then, we too are waiting for the end of the world when Jesus will come. And Bible prophecy tells us that soon laws will be enforced that will forbid people from worshiping God's way. In fact, if you, can I just read this to you, prophets and, yeah, patriarchs and prophets? 
in prophetic vision, this is about Enoch, he was instructed concerning the death of Christ and he was shown his coming in glory, attended by all the holy angels to ransom his people from the grave. He saw the corrupt state of the world when Christ should appear the second time. God showed him all of this. And we know from Bible prophecy that before Jesus comes back, there will be a death decree. God's people will have to flee and hide. But friends, right when it looks like God's church is about to be defeated, right when it looks like we will not win, guess what? Jesus will come. And when he comes, we will look up and we will be able to say, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm an Adventist and I get really excited when I think about the advent of Jesus Christ. My grandma passed away in 2010, my dad's mom. She was Samoan. My dad is Samoan. I should have said that in the beginning. My dad is Samoan. My mom is Australian. So if I look mixed up, that's why. Um, but when my grandma passed away, just before she did, my dad managed to get to Samoa in time to spend time with her, which was really special. But he told her, Mom, listen for the trumpet. Listen for the trumpet, because when Jesus comes back, you'll hear it. Let me read this quote, and then we need to run to a finish line. Enoch's life and character was so holy that he was translated to heaven without seeing death. It represents what the lives and characters of all must be. If, like Enoch, they are subjects to be translated when Christ shall come, his life was what the life of everyone may be who closely connects with God. I didn't just come to this study because I thought it would be nice. I came to this study because it's necessary. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be men and women of God, then walk with God. If you want to make something of your life, walk with God. Lift him up in all that you do because no one who has ever walked with Jesus has ever gotten lost. Amen? Let nothing and no one come between you and him. Like Enoch, as I said, we are waiting for the end of the age and it won't be long now. God's wanted ad is out there. I just shared it with you. God is looking for a people who will worship him in spirit and in truth and a people who will walk with him so that he can walk them home. Now, mark this, that when you walk with Christ, the same world that crucified him will not be kind to you. But walk with Jesus anyway, because there is a reward for those who are obedient to him. There's a reward for the righteous. I want to be part of an Enoch generation that by God's grace will walk into heaven. And even if I should die before he comes, then the promise is still there that I will be caught up to meet him in the air. Friends, do you want to be a part of this generation? Really? Amen. Then listen to this. You must do what Enoch did. You want, to, you want to experience what he experienced? Do what he did. Enoch's life reminds me that I am responsible for my own relationship with Jesus. 
And if Christianity is a relationship with Jesus and you're not communicating with him, you do not have a pure life, you're not practicing what you preach and preaching what you practice, if all of those points that I mentioned before are not reflected in your life, then there's no relationship. So beloved church, walk with God. And if you struggle to find the motivation, may I encourage you to go to Calvary because go there daily because when you go to Calvary and you see Jesus high and lifted up, dying and bleeding for love of you, I tell you that will give you motivation that nothing else can give you. That will bring love to your heart for Jesus that nothing else can because the cross didn't change his mind. It changes my mind. The cross didn't change his character. It changes my character. Flying is a very spiritual experience for me. Flying is for birds, and I really don't like flying at all. But there's a story of a pastor. He was traveling on a flight, and as he was traveling, the, pi the pilot came over the intercom, whatever you call it, the loudspeaker, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, there's turbulence ahead, so we will be unable to serve your refreshments at this time. Please buckle your seatbelts. So everybody buckled up. Shortly after that, the voice came on again. Uh, cabin crew, please be seated. Turbulence just ahead. And moments later, bang, lightning burst into the sky, and suddenly this plane was like a cork being tossed around on a celestial ocean. It was up one minute, down the next, and frankly, the pastor said everybody on this plane was frightened. That's when he noticed her. Just across the aisle from him was this little girl. She had her legs folded, and she was just reading a book. And everything in her world seemed so calm and so serene. And he was just captivated with her. He thought to himself, I gotta, I gotta talk to this girl when we land. Well, the plane made it. And as soon as it landed, everybody got off that plane real quick. But the pastor hung around because he wanted to meet this girl. She comes off the plane, all peaceful, all calm. He says to her, may I ask you a question? She says, yes. He says, I noticed you on the plane. When everybody was scared, you weren't. May I ask you, why weren't you afraid when the plane was being tossed around? And she just looked at him with her big, beautiful eyes, and she said, Sir, my daddy's the pilot, and he's taking me home. Amen. Friends, when the storms of life are raging, and they will rage, physical storms, family storms, financial storms, all kinds of personal storms, will darken our skies, let us remember that our Father in heaven is the pilot. And even though it seems that the plane's not going to make it, it will because he's taking us home. Amen? And we need to be like Enoch. Friends, evidently from my study of the life of Enoch, everywhere is within walking distance, even heaven. Walk with God and you will never walk alone. Walk with him in the times of great joy. Walk with him in the times of great sorrow. And when you feel you don't have the strength, ask him and he will carry you through in his loving, everlasting arms. Amen. So, church, are you walking with Jesus? No, really. How is it with you? This is a challenging message to me. And I believe the Lord brought me here because he wanted me to ask myself this question. Sharissa, are you walking with Jesus? So I just want to end with a little appeal. It's simply this. Uh, do you want to walk with God? Amen. All right, that's the first part of the appeal. That's good. Second part is this. 
if, as you have been reflecting on the life of Enoch, maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you realize that there is something in your life that is preventing you from having that closer walk with God. Maybe there's something that needs to change. Maybe you need to make more time. You haven't been making enough time or you know what it is. It's between you and Jesus. But if there's something in your life that you would like to change and you want to give it up, you want to make that change, make that decision now, then I would just invite you to stand in your seat where you are and I'd like to offer special prayer for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we stand here because we want to walk with you as Enoch walked in days of old. We place now our trembling hand in yours and we invite you, Lord, to help us to be faithful to Jesus. We've made commitments just now and for every person that commitment may be different. But Lord, I pray that you will bless them for this decision that they have made. May we too be part of that last day Enoch generation that will let nothing come between us and Jesus. This is our prayer. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we too may live that spirit-filled life that Jesus calls us to live. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.